Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am, Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather together to kiki in God's name. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyJorge.com, and I'm joined by a fellow Catholic, somebody who I've known for a couple years, who I had a chance to meet in New York, is now back in our lovely home state of Texas. But Chris Ortiz is somebody who is doing the kind of work that I am always jealous that I don't get a chance to do. Um, when you talk about somebody who really takes to heart social justice, really takes to heart about how to be a better community member, Chris is somebody who always comes to mind. And a community that we really don't think too much often about, especially on a mainstream scale, is the queer Catholic community. So I'm excited to get Krista's perspective on this because she and I actually have never had conversations about religion and faith. Um, so I'm curious to get her take, especially because she is back home in Texas that is very much ingrained in all sorts of stuff like this. Uh, so Krista, thank you so much for joining me to talk about to talk about Diosito and all he I'm does for excited. us. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited for this. So are you somebody who, and I think this is just very much a part of the generation that we're from, just the area that we're from. It's always Diosito, right? Like it's very rare when you say God. <laughs> Like saying Always. God seems weird at this point. It's just, it's Yosito. Yeah. Like literally just walking around, at, like my tias, they just talk to either it's my, Gija, my Jesus or I Diosito all day. Diosito, que mi Jesus, ama forever. I que mi Jesus. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, it's just all day. I think there's something really interesting about at least my introduction to Catholicism, I grew up in a bilingual household, even though it was predominantly an English household, but everything like religion related or Catholic related is somewhat in Spanish. So you say the Virgen de Guadalupe, even though it's the, the Our Lady of Guadalupe, you say Diosito, I do in el nombre del Padre, del Hijo, del Espíritu Santo, like all that is in Spanish. Would you say that your kind of relationship is a Spanglish relationship? Is it kind of a mixture of both? Because I think that kind of informs how we even navigate faith. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up, my dad's side is Methodist and then my mom's side is Catholic. So we, you know, completed the sacraments and I personally identify as a Catholic and while we were also going to church in the Methodist church, and there were clear, always clear lines, even in the Methodist church, we were the Rio Grande conference, La Conferencia Rio Grande, right? Like mm -hmm. we were not the first United Methodist church. And we went to mass, we always went to mass in Spanish. You know, we said the Padre Nuestro, we didn't say our father necessarily. And even now, like when we finish a meal, right? It's, ay, gracias a Dios, right? Mm -hmm. It's always, it's always in, in Spanish. And I, think that as an adult, in as much as I've tried to unpack my views just on, uh, or my relationship to rather like um, organized religion in particular, like versus my spirituality, you know, like what is religion and what is the ritual of Catholicism mean to me? I think I only have that relationship to, to the ritualistic, you know, um, like Catholicism, the ritualistic aspect of Catholicism in Spanish. Like my, when I start, like if I'm in, I don't say if I'm in crisis, but you know, if I'm, if I'm having a moment, yeah. like prayers in my head are in Spanish. Like they're always in Spanish. Little phrases are in Spanish. I see those get it right. Like, mm -hmm. um, si lo permite, like whatever, like is, is coming to mind is always in Spanish. And I wonder too, like, 
I'm sure you feel this, like how much of that is because I grew up in the household with my grandparents who only spoke Spanish and with my parents who, you know, Spanish is their first language Mm -hmm. and how almost anything that's exclamatory, anything that means something is going to be said in Spanish, you know, for it to really hit. And so I I just, I can't separate the two and it all, in all honesty, like at this point in my life, I, I refuse to, because I, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I, you know, I, I'm an English speaker, but for me to feel the meaning of something, it, whether it's a prayer or just like a little old little frase, like I'm going to say it in, you know, it Mm -hmm. it means more to say it in Spanish. I think there's always something to be said about being a cultural Catholic, especially when you have the Mexican or the Latino background, because of these phrases that we grew up hearing, even if we didn't go to church, like there was always a si Dios quiere or vaya con Dios or something where Diosito was involved. And I think that just says a lot about our ethnicity, our race, our culture, how it all is intermingling. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about this idea of having, you know, being a part of a household that is multi-generational. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to focus a little bit more on the, the sexuality aspect about stuff first, before we kind of integrate that into a religion aspect. Because part of, at least for myself, part of the difficulty of coming to terms with my sexuality was because of these multi-generational members of my family that were so <laughs> close to us, that lived yeah. seconds away from us. And because religion was a huge role in our life. And because the grandparents said the things about Diosito and said the things about going to mass. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that, about um, that sexuality journey, knowing that there was an audience of so many people around you as you were figuring it out. Yeah, it's so interesting. I don't, I don't know that I've ever had like an official coming out. And I think that that was just my younger self protecting myself in that way because of like what you're saying you know I didn't it's not that I didn't want to just like proclaim myself in my entirety you know to the people that I love it's just like a matter of having to do that work with myself and ask especially you know we're millennials and so many terms have been coined in our upbringing. Like they didn't just exist, right? We both identify as queer. I know that about you, you know that about me and how queer used to be used as slander, right? Mm -hmm. Like the reclaiming of the word and what that, what that means to identify proudly as for me, queer Tejanita, right? You queer Tejano, right? Like Mm -hmm. that there is a sense of pride that goes into it. And then there's also in that layer of complexity, it adds something to it, right? Like where my dad and my grandparents understand queerness as, I won't say as bad, but with a negative connotation, you know? And we've, I think we've sort of had very lightly this conversation before. When I came out to my dad, my appa, I, at the time I had um, a partner and I didn't come out as queer. I told him, you know, Papi, I have a partner, like I have a girlfriend and he sort of like sits up and I'm like, I just tell him, soy gay, like I'm gay, you know? And it didn't feel right. And it doesn't, it didn't feel like I came out and the, it didn't feel as sincere. It didn't like using, having to use having a partner felt like a justification. 
you know, that I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, and to prove it, like, here is my girlfriend at the time, you know, and there. Oh, that's such a good, I just want to like, that was such a beautiful way of describing that about needing to justify your sexuality by saying, ta-da, here's a human being who shows you, like, let me show you on the whiteboard what it means when I tell you that I am somebody who's different. Right. And so my dad, I was very, very fortunate. My dad was very kind and receptive um, for the most part. I mean, you know, there's still the kinks that you work out, the like, yeah. homophobia, hearty F with machismo. So his, the one thing that like really stung was he's like, oh, like I'm happy for you, mija. But if you ever end up with a man, like I'll be happy for you too. And I was like, or he said something like along that, like, and it, when you, it was more like a, when you end up with a man. And I was like, um, like, I probably won't. <laughs> We're not going to go in that territory, but. Like, so I'll leave it there. You know, I'll let it, I'll let it rue, you know, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not gonna, I'm just going to walk past that one and go with the good feeling from this. But I have had the conversation with a couple different friends down here or I mean abroad too, but like when queer doesn't translate, when queer doesn't break that, that cultural barrier, you know, how do, how do we exist in both? Because I, you know, we straddle duality in everything we do, you know, we're from Texas of Mexico, you know, we're in the United Pretty States, much, part yeah. of this other, other culture that is separated by a border right you are literally from the borderland like <laughs> right like fully frontera. literally frontera like you have you know those spices like on either side and mm-hmm. you know I am a queer woman existing in a world set up to be straight right like I there's so many so many aspects there that we could dive into but like how how in navigating that duality of our culture being American and for us being Mexican right being Tejanos that like do we also bring queerness into both I guess if that makes sense I love this conversation because there's something to be said about the language aspect of it translation of queerness yes is not only is there difficulty with regards to our ethnicity and with our race but with our religion it is so yes. hard to try to speak a language of queerness of the 21st century for a church that does not at all speak the same of the, of the same era. It yes. is so many eras away that the idea that we're over here like, haha, can you let us in? Do you want to approve us? Do you want to at least acknowledge that we're here? And they're like, hi, homosexuality is considered an inherent, you know, moral sin, whatever yeah. the fuck. Like, I, I think that's part of it. Like just yeah. the fact that we are forced to have to translate queerness to other people and particularly with the church, like a people that just might not care. Yeah, absolutely. And like how much of that apathy that might not care is the reason why like so many queer people are shunned and like harmed and you know just left subject to the rest the persecution of the rest of the world including the church like how often does that allow queer issues to go on the chopping block and especially queer lives you know to be subject to harm like 
particularly by the Catholic church, right? Like as an institution, obviously for centuries, like hello, Vatican one and Vatican two, but like right now, I like, I don't, I just don't know that. And I get it like, oh, for all of the progress we make as ourselves as a society, the church is, you know, 20, 30 years further behind. And I'm like, okay, Francis could have said more than like, maybe the gays can have rights. May, maybe. <laughs> like, I don't know. Could have pushed it a little bit further, Francis. Right. Please. He spoke out about climate change, like in an era where climate change has been so deeply politicized. It's like, brother, can you please just let me marry my wife in front of the YouTube? <laughs> hey, I completely, and I have such a weird thing about Francis because his, his, his real name is Jorge. And I'm over yes. here like, hey, Tokayo, I need you to be a little more comforting towards queer people, especially to trans people, because he's been very hot and cold with what he's had to say about trans okay. people. Um, but like the idea that we have this person at the top, and yet that doesn't convince other people underneath him to be even better at their language yeah. is, is ridiculous. Yeah, it's... And, and then like, uh, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to add this in there. Like, can we talk about how he's Argentinian and like, what does that mean? So like he's Argentinian, he speaks Spanish, but then what does that mean in, further in the diaspora where like the rest of us from, mm -hmm. you know, Mexico, Colombia, Venezuela, Guatemala, like, what is that? mean within the diet like there's complexities there you know there's layers there as to like the privilege that argentinians have in existing within the greater you know latinx diaspora while also being categorically white or being you know like the class differences the class disparities there like and then how does that translate over to how he like how francis himself views the rest of us mm -hmm. i'm like I Sorry for throwing Argentinians under the bus. <laughs> no, I think there's, I, I genuinely wonder, especially like Pope Francis, mm -hmm. he is not somebody who is living this incredibly sheltered life. He's protected, yeah. understandably so, but I don't think he's a sheltered individual. No, I so agree. he must know, especially if he's saying these things about queer folks, saying these things about how if you are a Christian and you see a gay person, apologize to them because they've gone through a lot. Please. Like he sees that queer people exist in the world yeah. and he's not alone in that. All the cardinals, all the bishops, archbishops, they also see that queer people exist in the world, but they're so, at least the ones underneath Francis are very much of the, uh oh, out of sight, out of mind, not gonna talk about them, they're not there. If, you don't, if I don't see them, then I don't have to address them. And I think that's part of the most despicable part of how things are progressing is that it's not, you know, centuries ago when the idea of queerness or the idea of homosexuality was so taboo. Like we're around, we're around, we're very prominent. We have all these different roles in the world. How can you just cast us aside even today? I wonder how much of that is is like incredibly intentional because obviously, as we know, like the, our foundational relationship is with the self, right? And the way that we hold relationship with ourselves, it's the way that we hold relationship with everyone and everything in our greater surrounding, right? Like, 
And I, I just wonder how much of that, like if the church as a body, it has to do the introspection first. And I, so I wonder how much of that, like those blinders are on because otherwise the church would obviously have to inflect and admit that like a majority of the priests and nuns who have joined, you know, the convent or, or have been ordained are pro- probably queer, like are probably gay, you know, like, oh, it's how, how often has becoming a priest been almost a scapegoat? It's like, I have these urges, I have these feelings, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't escape them. So instead of living this life subject to persecution, I'm going to instead run to the church, like, because then I have this title where I'm protected, right? Like, I have, I have this title where I belong and no one can cast me out, especially when like, I still, I don't know if you have unpacked this, this far in life, but I still hold like not a little, probably a lot of anger. If I'm being honest, like toward how much of my life is rooted and devoted in serving the people of the church and my Mm. foundational relationship to the gospel is to love my, my sibling, right. To love my brother's sisters that calls for, for justice. What is it? Like Micah six, eight, like walk humbly <laughs> justice, right. Like, and love the Lord, your God with all your heart. And how, how much particularly as a millennial generation that we've internalized that to welcoming the stranger, right. To welcoming everyone in and yet the institution still stands before us and shuts its doors. And it's like, I, I have no words, like how much of that fury. And then when it's you yourself and you're literally pulling people in living the mission of Jesus, like, did, did everyone just forget, like in the church as an institution, did everyone just forget that like Jesus before he was crucified was sitting at the same table as like the castaways of society with the, with the strippers and the prostitutes, let's not forget like the miracles that he performed on the woman who bled, right? She's hemorrhaging. And for a reason, right? Like he's talking to the woman who's lost her child or the woman whose child has nothing to eat, right? Like he is not going into these high palaces and dining amongst the finest of the folks and how much of the Western expansion of the church, obviously colonization hello fuck you Spaniards sorry not sorry (laughs) that like has affected how the rest of us are able to live breathe and exist within something that is so deeply cultural that we can't separate it right and as much as I cannot separate myself from my queerness I also cannot separate myself from not the idea but from the truth in that I believe right that we believe that like Mm -hmm. I we are wholly thought of and set apart. Like when people attempt to cast me away or to how I just love when people try to one up me in this sense of like, oh, well, she's gay, you know? And it's like, so she loses 10 Catholic points right there. So she's (laughs) in the back of the church. She has to sit in the top pews. Like first of all, fuck off. Second of all, like you're out here, like you swear to trust in the gospel every single Sunday at mass, like, and the gospel, like you cannot tell me that the Lord has 
thought my thoughts before I thunked them. Like, hello, they're gay thoughts. Like (laughs) the number of hairs on my head and that the entire, like that the spirit of God hovered over the entire universe before it came to be with the spirit of a mother and the spirit of a woman. Right. That like, you cannot tell me that God did not make me gay. Like you cannot come on. Like, Oh, he just threw in everything else, but not the gay. (laughs) (laughs) Not God. That was something that society put up on you. The the nurture part of it. I I always like to fuck with people when I say that I, I do believe that being gay is a choice, but it was God's choice, not my choice. Right. So I don't understand why you have an issue with me. Like, if you think that you exist in this world as a straight, cisgender, you know, wonderfully ordained person in the world, if you think all you have is a blessing from God, why is it that somehow I have like an asterisk next to my... <laughs> Not an asterisk. Actually, if you go to the footnote, he's a homosexual. Right. That wasn't, that wasn't because of the Lord. Oh my gosh. Has anyone ever said that to you? Like, has anyone ever sort of made that like, you're loved by God we hold but you know weirdly enough not anybody in in my personal sphere circle i've mm-hmm. had because i've been very vocal about my identity as a queer catholic and i've written about it a couple times and i've had people in the comments section who will say oh my god i'm gonna pray for you that you oh, this demonization that you've over like that has just overcome your life we want to make sure that we pray it all the way so you can live the blessed life that the lord has intended yes senora Marta, please pray my gay away (laughs) no shit right like i i just i weirdly enough have found it very comforting that i've never felt out of place at home Mm -hmm. because of explicit things that have been said by people around me Mm -hmm. i because of you know, we talked about a little bit before the the machismo that exists in in a in a, in a Texas environment in a Mexican Tejano yeah. environment, like those things, the things you hear not only from religion but from the culture as a whole, like those scare you, and those kind of keep you from being a little bit more honest. But I I'm glad that there was nothing that was told to me that would say, you know, hey, eres el hijo de Pacho Olivares, eres gay, verdad? Ooh, you know, Diosito, like, and say something really horrible to me. I've never had that happen. And I think that is weirdly enough uh, a privilege to be able to, to, to say that that's, that that's the case. Yeah. I had um, my late grandmother, actually, who just passed away a year ago. Uh, a, yeah, a year ago now. Yeah, wow. About a year. Um, yeah, that's wild. God rest her soul. My, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Oh gosh, just the sweetest, like it, I, I can't explain the energy that the woman had. She had endless, she was endlessly a font of wisdom and she was the warmest person I'd ever met. The type of person that like one invited me in for a nap every single time I was <laughs> at the house and hell yeah, I'm gonna take that nap. And two, like anytime I would sit next to her and just have something weighing on my heart, like I would just start sobbing. I am not a crier. And I would just start sobbing, grandma. <laughs> and, you know, one time I was already, I, I had a couple of um, family members who, you know, would sort of say like in passing here or there. And I'm sort of like, oh, is my gay showing like that early? When I was like 13, 14, 15, you know, I'll never forget. I had one. Yeah. Oh Lord. I, 
aka my Theo's wife. And she told <laughs> me, not by blood, just want to make to let me just set that straight. And she told me that if uh, if I were ever gay, that she would pray the rosary for me every day. She would never stop crying, and that she knew that my late mother would be rolling over in her grave to know that her only daughter mm -hmm, was gay and wasn't going to give her grandchildren. I was like, ma'am, science is advanced. No shit. <laughs> I don't know if um, you're in 2020 or not. Well, at the time it was like 2010, but I was like, um, hello. Um, and that one, it was so easy to just walk off at the time. I was like, ma'am, I pray for you that the Lord soften your heart. But my, I remember having the conversation with my grandma once um, and I don't remember how we got on the topic, you know, but, uh, she was telling me about her brother and, you know, her brother died very young and he was very sick for a while. And it took me into my, like older into my twenties to put together that he died in the midst, amidst the AIDS crisis mm. in the United States. And I did finally piece together her language that he was gay. And so part of me does wonder like if he if my great Theo boy died of AIDS and why that was never spoken about. And he was my grandma's younger brother and she loved him like a mother. And she would talk of him so fondly. And she would always say, you know, I love my brother more than anything. And I do believe that, you know, as Catholics, we believe in uh, purgatory. Mm -hmm. I personally don't but most Catholics do. And, you know, she was like, I do believe he atoned for his sins in purgatory and more than likely will have been there longer than majority of people, but the Lord knew his heart. And I was sort of just like, why is he held captive in this place of the in-between? Like why? And I think that's a larger question for me when people, you know, sort of throw the first stone of like, oh, you are not worthy of redemption. You are not worthy of salvation because you are gay. Like simply because of one factor. One little thing. We have no control over that is entirely biological. That's like, was the crucifixion not enough? Like, I, I just don't remember. I neither remember like God's proclamation to, to Mary when she was, you know, made, had, was, conceiving that like oh this child will come upon you and like he will his life will be sacrificed right like for the greater salvation of the world I don't remember him putting the asterisk there so like I, do, <laughs> I don't know how it came over to us mm -hmm. but like I I don't I, I this is always my question so I'm like is the crucifixion not enough like I don't remember the Lord going up on on the cross and like making these like sort of exceptional cases like except i'm up here except for the gays right like <laughs> i saw that rainbow flag i saw you at pride <laughs> right right exactly that's what the lord said when he said do not boast in pride right <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um i i kind of want to ask you this because it, it's such a weird so krista and i have this mutual friend named julie and julie is currently julie. putting together a show that talks about Latinidad, faith, what happens after one person dies. And it's, it's a very personal account that she, she goes into. Um, but I always grew up thinking that I was gonna go to hell because I was gay. And there were a lot of people in my life who made it seem from the mm -hmm. church standpoint that that was the destination, that that was my destiny, that I was going to go to hell. 
obviously I don't believe that anymore. And I think I'm gonna go to, to heaven with a beautiful pink bow and all yeah. sorts of things with like a Lady Gaga CD in my hand. Oh my gosh, you would. <laughs> but, right, but, and a Selena, I have to, another Selena thing in my hand. But I, I'm curious, like if you don't, if you don't believe in purgatory, and obviously, I, I would assume you don't believe that we're going to hell. Mm-mm. I hope you have all sorts of things planned for, you know, God forbid, if whenever the day comes, um, that you're just going to have the most amazing, wonderfully queer life up in heaven. Lord, I hope so. It's sort of interesting because, okay, so this is probably a controversial take, LOL, hot takes. I don't believe in purgatory one of course but I don't I also just I don't necessarily buy into the concept of hell like I just I don't like going back to what I said previously was the crucifixion not enough for one right like and two like even looking back on when God destroys the earth in in the old testament right like he says like we were led wander and like he came to make things new. I also don't typically use he pronouns for God. Like God is a, God is woman. God is energy. God is the universe. Right. Like even, even at church, you know, um, thank you for saying this. Cause I, I'm going to make it a, an attempt throughout the course of this show to, to use gender neutral pronouns for God, because a lot of people do not believe that God should only have he, him, his pronouns. Yeah. You know how at church, I, I can't remember what it's called, but the one that's like, uh, I believe in God. And it says the father creator of heaven and earth. Right. I always just say, I believe in God, the creator, mm-hmm. the maker of heaven and earth. Right. Who sent forth God's only son, right. Mm-hmm. Like versus his only son and those sort of things. And a lot of that, especially pronouns came in healing my relationship to the church, like healing my relationship to my own spirituality rather Um, and honestly, a lot of that came from Buddhist readings and stuff. Um, and that's also why I just don't necessarily buy into the (laughs) hell in its entirety. Um, mostly because I just don't think that we live these lives of sin that are so unruly and unholy that we can't in the same way that like a clock ticks in one direction, it also comes back full circle. And I, I just believe that we can sort of tick back, right? Like, I don't mm. think you've done this one huge thing and you plummet off of the cliff of redemption. Like, no, I think it's like, okay, we take these steps that distance us from understanding the entirety of ourselves and the entirety of ourselves is made in the image of God, right? It's made in the likeness of God. Then I, I have to, in order to love God, I have to love myself, right? And if God is the creator of the universe and we're told that we can't understand or number, right? Like um, the miracles that God can perform or, you know, we can't count the stars in the sky. Like we can't know God. Otherwise that's a God of creation and that's, you know, idolatry, right? Like I have to believe that like God's vastness is greater than my own conception, like my own, my own ability to conceive. Like otherwise, like I am limiting God and therefore like, limiting my ability to receive blessings and my ability to, you know, bless others and my ability to welcome salvation into my life every day that I'm alive and shout out to Julie's work. Um, shout out to the Lejos, um, you know, to Jose, may he rest in peace, um, into his life. And Jules does the beautiful thing. And I was sort of writing it out the other day, um, 
Jules does this beautiful thing where she, just like I was saying earlier, when we lived in this constant duality and she and I have had this conversation, like grief is, is a constant duality, right? It's to say that these people have existed in the physical realm. And this is where I get a little Buddhist, right? Like, and that the conditions for them to manifest in their greatest physical self has simply left us have simply Mm. one thing has altered, right? But the energies that they contain, the multitudes that these people have physically contained within them, right? Like within their bodies, within their spirits and their minds still exist around us. And we know that in the ways that like, when a memory pops up that we, oh, I still hear my grandmother in my head, right? Like when a lesson comes back to me, when the universe brings me a lesson again, and I've learned it, that I've evolved out of it, I'm remembering those teachings, right? These are still these people who exist with us and around us. And Julie, Julie does a, she does something in that production where she harnessed it and, and now allows us to see it, right? She allows us to see it. And that's the biggest thing that, that we miss. I think when we lose someone that we love is that you can't see them again. Is that, you know, it's always the, for what I would do for one more day, what I would do for one more dinner, what I would do for, you know, one last hug. And she's pulled all of our senses in right? When you close your eyes and you have the virtual reality experiences and she's singing the songs and, you know, she's, she brings everything in and the sensory experience that we miss of our loved ones, you know? And that's why I just, I don't, I don't call it a hot take, if you will. I don't, I just (laughs) believe in hell or really completely that we are separate in our afterlives. Like, you know how we're told, um, I don't know if anyone shattered your dreams like this. My family is very strictly Catholic in certain ways. And like, let's see how you're going to like blow my mind with this particular, (laughs) with the concept of guardian angels where it's like, Oh, your guardian angel is like a randomly assigned angel. It's like not the people that you've loved and lost. Oh, fuck. Like randomly assigned. (laughs) Yeah. Or like when you get to heaven, like you won't know who anyone is because you know, all of, we will all look the same and we will all be so focused on worshiping gods that God that like, you know, we won't have the time to look around us. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Y'all told me that yeah. was- you told me I was going to see my grandma. Where Thank is grandma? You, you <laughs> cannot contradict the fucking coping mechanism that you gave me as a child to process loss. Yeah, for like, real. Oh, you'll see them again. Grandma's in heaven, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but, but now, like when I get there, they're not there. Like make it make sense. What's the point? <laughs> the point? Make it make sense. Uh, I must say that I have, I, if I could write all the notes from this conversation and show you all the highlights that I would have, like, I, I genuinely hope that people take this conversation and really take a lot out of it because you've said a lot of things that have just completely opened my mind to just viewing it in a particular way that I never even would have thought about. And I love that that you and I are having this conversation because we're close friends. We've known each other for a few years now. And like, this is the first time we're getting a chance to really delve into a topic like this. And yeah. so I hope that people take this conversation and can have it with other people in their lives to to gauge where they are at, because it's not always the same place that you think it is. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's such a beautiful thing that like binds us all together. I mean, you, me, Jules in particular, like this core sense of, I don't want to call it morality because I don't want to like 
make that exclusive, but this core sense of humanity, I guess, and this core sense of community and how much of that is within our cultural context. Like, right. Like, like you were saying when, when earlier, um, I know this is off recording, but like when you were saying, you know, during the snowstorm that your, your Thea had this, your other Thea had that, your mom and dad had this, and they all got together and pulled their resources, right. That like that, how that's translated into our adult lives of what mutual aid looks like, what community assistance looks like, what all of our careers look like, you know, Mm -hmm. having these conversations, elevating them, right. Using the platforms that we each have in our own standing and using harnessing and using the gifts that like we each have, and then collectively have, and being able to have conversations like this to build projects and share, right. To, to invite others in and like isn't that literally what we're called to do as Catholics, right? It's like bring the people in and center us around, around, I, for me, it's, it's around um, not our human condition, but our humanity, right? Mm -hmm. And, and how much of God do we see in another person and how often is, are the people who are being most looked at, not the people who we're actually called to serve. And I, I just, I think, I think every one of my closest friends, like, and, and definitely us, like that's there. And you just, it's something that you just know there's this, I don't know, there's this gold at the center. And I think we all just know, we, we all just attracted each other in this life. Right. Like, and, and then I, I go back to, again, the very Buddhist concept of like, I'm, I'm just going to shout out Thich Nhat Hanh. It was his, it's his writing, who, you know, it really, really shaped a lot of this for me, especially as a child. And Julie and I talk about this a lot is like a child who grew up knowing loss, a child of grief. You know, I will, I will tell people that all the time, you know, folks say, Oh, a child of trauma, but I was a child of grief. And like, you know, they always say, especially as Catholics, Oh, pray, pray to that person that they may be near or that they may intercede, right. That they will carry your burdens to God because they're closer. Right. That like, there was always this sense of like, okay, then we're not separate. Like our spiritual ancestors sit among me now. Right. And especially when I'm afraid and called into courage, especially when I'm afraid and need to be vulnerable. Right. Like, especially when I need to search within myself to find the thing that I need. It's also me searching within every generation that's existed before me. Right. Like it's not just like we end up where we are. We're destined for where we go, right? Like mm-hmm. we are deliberately called. And part of the reason that we are pulled in that direction is because everyone who has existed before us and within us is around us. Like the conditions have changed for how they exist in, in our, as our earthly selves, right? But their their energies are still among us, right? Like the the things again that they they've taught and the impact that they've had on the earth, right? Like if we come from native peoples, right? Like the ways that we understand ourselves and our genders and our sexualities or non-genders, right? Like everything is exists in the same great magnitude that cannot be conceived in this or perceived rather in the way that like God also cannot be quantified or perceived in that way yeah oh this has been so amazing and i really am a big believer in like i i'd like to think that diosito puts people in my life for a particular reason absolutely and that the people that i'm still close with and that i still have relationships with 
that that's for a particular reason and that I'm meant to learn, grow, um, have fun, enjoy for all the reasons that relationships are even developed for that purpose. Yeah. Uh, and so I really do consider this to be a God ordained thing between the two of us. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm very glad that we could even be able to do that. Um, I do wanna give our listeners a chance if you feel so comfortable. Yeah. Um, do you wanna share your social media where people can follow you and some of the stuff that you get a chance to do? Yeah, for sure. I love this. You can follow me um, on Instagram and on Twitter at Krista Shay O. It's K-R-Y-S-T-A-S-H-A-Y-E-O-H. Shout out to my mom for making it difficult all my life. My name has never <laughs> been spelled right nor said right. I'm always Cristal, Christina, Kristen, Christy, never Krista, but it's at Krista Shay O. I'm also on Facebook, um, but Instagram, mostly Twitter is my main platform. Um, and up to all sorts of things these days, it's definitely harder when they're still in the middle of a pandemic and I'm living in a state where the elite wealthy control how, <laughs> yeah, how safe uh, mm-hmm. we can consider ourselves, right? That's definitely been a shift to walk back into, but still definitely building a connected community, still definitely doing my best to be a good community member. Um, right now I'm going to intentionally plug, um, uh, if you look on my Instagram on one of the pages that I've shared there, we have mutual aid pages for folks in Texas who are suffering after the snowstorm. Um, if you are the, I know this is a queer Catholic show. So if you are the praying type, please send your prayers. Um, and if, especially if you are doing a Lenten challenge for yourself, whether it's a rosary or a chaplet or listening to the Bible in day, please offer your intentions for the state of Texas. And especially for, um, there are people who get swept off to the side so easily in this state. And I think we get labeled as a red state far too often um, because people aren't looking in the right communities. And, um, you know, uh, that, that allows for people to get written off. So think of us, hold us close and pray for us. Donate if you can. Um, yeah, and I'm up to a couple things these these days. So I will have to keep you posted and you can keep up with me there and see what they are. Cause I can't necessarily speak on them. <laughs> um, talk about these secrets at the moment, but I they- know, I'm like, I'm like, when you stop pressing record, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this. I love this so much. Thank you so much for creating this platform. Jorge. It's so important. And I think the more that we, I think people attempt in as much as people attempt to illegitimize, like being queer Catholics existing, right? Like we continue to, um, to expand what, what, what that means and like who all is included and who is welcome. And, you know, we are, we're queer Catholics. Shout out. Well, you are more than welcome at this place. That's the perfect way Um, to end it. I was going to say, Krista, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And with your spirit. (laughs) With your spirit.